Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Kato. My name is Hans. I'm Edward. And we are your hosts for now and forevermore. Or until I finally find the pot of gold underneath the sand I've been looking for, you know. The fabled scroll of truth, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, speaking of spot of gold, <laughs> pot of gold, excuse me. Uh, last week, when it was a parents' anniversary, we actually saw the most incredible fully arced rainbow, um, oh, and it was cool. just such a like a special thing, you know, to signify the day. Anyway, before we get into the personal aspects of the podcast and our delicious content, if you are one of our regular listeners, welcome back, bitches. Well, if you are new to Gettle, welcome to one of the internet's premier places for gaming, entertainment, technology, and lifestyle, news, reviews, and previews, all wrapped up in a wonderful bundle of joy. Oh, is somebody expecting? Uh, not that I know of. <laughs> <laughs> not that I know of. Okay, okay. Well, well, Gettle certainly isn't expecting, so <laughs> not, not that I'm aware of anyway, either. Anyway, Edward, how are you doing? I'm good. Good. You know, That's good. the usual. How about you? Well, you're not falling over or anything this week, eh? So... No, fortunately not. <laughs> yeah, good. Uh, can't really complain too much with the exception of general poor service delivery, you know, eating away at uh, both of us, I would imagine, and making us upset for no apparent reason. But, hey, I guess that's just uh, part of living in Africa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's third world countries. Third world country do. living, y'all. So yeah. welcome everyone to season two, episode twelve. By the time you read this, it will be Star Wars. I mean, by the time you listen to this or watch this, I'm so I have I have Vamers on the mind. We've been doing so much writing recently. Um, it will be Star Wars week. So may the fourth be with you wherever you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With that in mind, as per normal, we're going to go into some reviews before delicious content, and then. NSFW, uh, as is normally the case for every episode of Giddle. So with that in mind, yeah. Ed, news of the world. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is a title of a film on Netflix. <laughs> okay, I was super lost for a sec. Like, did I, did I lose my notes? <laughs> so... We we watched this. It's um it's a long two hour movie. It stars Tom Hanks in the leading role and maybe one or two other people along the way. But given how he is the primary person that the entire story is focused on, he's really the only one that I really need to mention. Also because I think he was Oscar nominated for this role. Now, News of the World basically takes place in a late eighteen hundreds America, and it's whereby Tom Hanks, who is a former military person goes from city to city on horseback and reads the news of the world. Now, where the film comes into play, it's whereby he, one day, while going from one town to another, stumbles upon a little blonde German girl. And as many people know, America was built on being, or rather was built on the backs of immigrants and unfortunately slaves as well. But for the case of this movie, immigrants. And in so doing, he finds this young little girl and she speaks Navajo Indian. And he finds it odd because he finds papers on her and it proves that she's from German descent. 
So obviously, you know, you put two and two together, something happened to her family and she was obviously raised by the local Indian populations, which the movie also does a good job of addressing how they were unfairly massacred, um, you know, how it is, unfortunately, with many, you know, world history. So what then happens is he goes on this journey where he takes his little girl with him and goes from town to town through a series of you know, unfortunate incidents and eventually gets her to where she needs to be, but things are not as they seem. And I won't say much else, but, you know, you would kind of guess what kind of happens in the end. Now, much like many of the movies we've spoken about in the last several episodes, this film is very much a snapshot into the lives of these people versus it being something like an Avengers blockbuster, you know, we have a start, a middle, and an end, and then, you know, these arcs close off and so on and so forth. Meaning that the way that it ends, yes, it closes off an arc, but it also leaves it open to interpretation. But in a lovely way, though. It's, it's a, it, it does have a feel-good ending. Um, the only reason why I haven't rated it as good or exceptional and where I've sort of just labeled it as average is because of that very reason. You know, um, I'm all for snapshots of of roles or of snippets of life turned to cinema like Minari, which was very good. But I suppose where this one falls flat a little bit is in the sense that it's not a not based on a true story or anything like that. It's it's purely fictional, and you know, obviously, it has a few embellishments here and there um, along the way. But overall, it's very good, and Tom Hanks does the role justice. Um, it is a very slow burn movie with a feel good ending, and I suppose it's a decent watch. That's what I would say. That's cool. Ed, do you yeah, have any questions about the film? <laughs> Not really. Um, uh, I just uh, it seems like Tom Hanks he likes to do this weird like single looks into people's lives. Thing yes, yes. That he's been doing all of these years. You know, it like I mean, you know, when when I say that, I don't mean that necessarily in a negative. Like no, Castaway no, was phenomenal. But yeah. you, you see, in that role, however, it's very different because that had a beginning, a middle, and an end. Yes. You know, yeah. where it, it comes full circle and the entire movie is literally on this single isolated character. Whereas mm. this film, it touches upon a variety of people. So it's not just Tom Hanks's, uh, you know, ever, it's not a history of evolution or progression. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a movie, but it's very much a flat, linear just a chapter, I, yes. I would look, say. Look, it, it like. is good, and a part of me feels a bit bad for saying average, but also at the same time, you know, I often don't watch any of these things alone. I watch with my parents 90% of the time. And mm. I like to hear their opinions as well. So, and they were both like, you know, my dad fell asleep, and my mom was like, is that it? <laughs> Listen, if dads don't fall asleep while watching shows, right? even dads. <laughs> yeah, thank like, you, thank <laughs> you. Well said, well said. That is very, very, very true, by the way. Um, all right, so going from a you know a decent average film to something that is very good and also very different, it is The Mandalorian, season two. Oh, so good, so good. What a great show. Not exceptional, yeah. but very, very, very good. Yeah. For those who might not know about the series, it's called The Mandalorian. It is on Disney+. Plus. And it basically looks at snapshots, again, once again, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll get back to this point in a little bit, of a Mandalorian who needs to transport 
a alien baby by the name of Groku, who obviously Groku. has a lineage to Yoda from the Star Wars universe, and why he is important to the franchise. Now, season two for me surpassed season one. Because season one, I suppose, was more the groundwork for what is to come. You know, setting up the Mandalorian, his backstory, you know, to do with his armor and his creed and, you know, so on and so forth. Whereas season two had a little bit more leeway of experimenting with introducing even more characters and more narrative arcs. And mm -hmm. in this sense, you know, we see some more rebel Mandalorians who don't believe in the creed that he does, as well as Asako Tano who is Ahsoka just Tano. Ahsoka Tano. She is just badass. Now, yeah. I will unfortunately okay. admit that I, I, although I've watched The Clone Wars, I haven't finished it or seen all of it, but mm -hmm. I do know she's a major character there. But I will say that Rosario Dawson's portrayal of her is just, it's a chef's kiss. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in, in a way, um, I feel like, obviously this is a much older Ahsoka. Um, um, and... In a way, I feel like Rosario Dawson's character is the older version of Ashley Eckstein's character, uh, who, who okay. is also she voices Look, Ahsoka. It, it makes sense I, I, because of the so where it takes place. You know that. Do you know when Mandalorian mm. takes place? When? Yeah, yeah. After yeah, so, episode six. Yes, yes. So therefore, that makes sense because the original Clone Wars takes place during the Clone Wars, which is between, yes. if my understanding is correct, episodes three and four. So naturally, yes. it would be a much older no, no, two Osaka, right? Um, yeah, it's much, much older Osaka. Um, She's so good, so though. It even so good. feels like it, it. Like listening to Ashley Eckstein, she sounds like a young girl mm. versus Rosario Dawson, who looks like a grown woman. And she's Osaka wise in her grown. ways and strong yes. in the force. And, and she's AS. With her white ass <laughs> lightsabers. So good. Um, now, the reason why I say Mandalorian is only good and mm. sort of misses the mark for exceptional is because I am personally someone who prefers shows that are serial in nature and not procedural. And by that, I mean, I like narrative heavy stories where if you miss an episode, you don't know what's going on. That's That's the kind of TV I generally enjoy watching because I feel it is taking up a lot of my time so it, it should be somewhat of an investment that's kind of how I feel now of course I don't mean that for everything like I'm also a big fan of sitcoms you know where you know you could miss like four episodes in a row and you'll still know what's going on you know but of course they're for different things so like a sitcom is more for when you're eating and you want to laugh a little bit or just want to relax not really think too much whereas for like real serious viewing if you could even call it that I like to be really invested in the characters and the stories and the arcs. Now, Mandalorian overall does an exceptional job of setting up the universe and uh, building up Mando's character. However, however, it does, although it does have an overall arcing narrative, and that specifically has to do with Grogu, if you were to miss an episode or two along the way, it wouldn't influence the outcome of the story much you know now yes they generally hint at things along the way but it, i did it and i did it by accident <laughs> where i accidentally skipped episode seven out of the eight eight episodes in season two and i didn't even notice that the episode was that we didn't watch it eventually we did go back and it, it was really just filler 
you know, and more, not really filler, but a little bit more of character building, I suppose, for Mando. But what I also mean is that every single episode within The Mandalorian, weirdly enough, can also be self-contained as an enjoyable story. It's a chapter, yeah. Yeah, you know, so for me, that takes away a little bit. Like, I would much prefer if it was very narrative-driven to the point where, like, if you miss one episode, you wouldn't know what's going on. And then you, you get what I'm saying, right? Kind of like a little bit like Game of Thrones in a way. Although we don't speak about that show anymore. The for thing reasons. is, <laughs> I feel like the way John Farrow managed to 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 build um, the Mandalorian, um, the 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 chapter driven content that he does. Every chapter is self contained, yes, and yes, you can skip maybe one or two episodes um, and still know what's going on. I feel like the way he, he built it that. I wouldn't change Mandalorian and make it more narrative driven. Let's let's say like The Witcher, uh, which yeah. is yeah. a good example, I guess, um, because it it's unique in that this is Mandalorian, and I think that's what what gives it its charm. Um, I, don't I haven't know. You seen see any it, other shows like that. What do you mean? Like, you look at any CW like, show, and you have a self-contained story within every episode. No, you don't. Um, it's only the always the first do. few episodes of the season. Um, those are always flavor of the week, and then it goes into the, the there we go. episode flavor of thing. the week. That's yes, that's the, that was the but, expression. But that's the thing. Mandalorian is not this though, because every episode has a little bit of story build up to it. Not enough, um, and it it's you know it's the, the, this is my issue with it, and that's literally the story of the week that you've mentioned now because. Think of it like CSI, right? This is a great example. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to look at it from CW, even though I feel it's the same way, it's, it's very much where it's very much where there is an overarching story, okay, and they touch upon it within every couple of episodes, every now and again. And of course, you know, it's different. I mean, you know, if you talk about something like CSI, it's like twenty-four episodes, so um, it's very very long. So there is always something overarching which they deal with at the beginning, the middle, and the end of the season but then you don't need to watch any of the other episodes in order to really know what's going on. And I feel Mando's the same way, and that, to me, is why I wouldn't call it exceptional. See, I don't feel it's that way. I like, yes, I, I get what you're saying, that every episode is self-contained. I understand that. But I also feel like every episode has enough building. You see, enough I, don't, I don't think so. And, and, and the reason why I bring that up is because, like I said, I totally missed episode seven, all right? Mm. Now, if that were true, then I would say that I would have, you know, missed something in episode eight from episode seven, whereas I went back and I watched episode seven and there was almost nothing that pushed the story in any way. As a matter of fact, I would have called episode seven filler for, <laughs> for a pretty decent season because it, it didn't really offer much in terms of character, not even character building or progression. It was really just a means of saying, okay, well, this is how we find the coordinates, which could have been explained away within one sentence in a future episode. However, as a self-contained episode, it was highly enjoyable. But would you have something explained away in one sentence or would you just see that yes, happen? Yes, because I felt that a half an hour dedicated to getting that one fact was a waste of time. So in that <laughs> using that logic, Rogue One was a waste of time. Rogue One is not the same story. Rogue it's, One it's, adds but to it, the canon the of Star Wars. It's not the same and thing. And so does this. It adds to it adds to Mando's canon. It adds to his character, and it explains. Yes, you, you're talking about the lives. season as a whole. I'm talking about one individual episode. 
And in my opinion, that that one single episode didn't do enough, even from a character progression perspective, to make a difference overall, which is why, in my opinion, I wouldn't give it exceptional. If you want to rate it exceptional, Edward, by all means, go ahead. This thing is, I don't think it's exceptional. Then what are your reasons for not? Because for me, that's the big one. Because this is not a show I'll necessarily go back to. <laughs> Wait, hold on. It, it's a great show, but I wouldn't be calling it exceptional by any means. Um, there are better shows out there. Uh, there is a higher standard of show out there, such as The Witcher, such as, in my opinion, Game of okay, Thrones. But, but, but hold on. But why would you say that that is of a higher caliber than Mando? Because I think Mando is of a very high production quality. Because I feel like the subject material is better. I feel like the, the acting is better. I feel okay, like you the see, story but now, is better. When you say subject material, doesn't that then again go back to the point that I was trying to make? Whereby, no. you know, it's, a, it's an easy watch. You know, that instead of it being something that you'd actually want to invest your time in because of the self-contained nature of the show. No, The Boys is an easy watch. And that's exceptional. No, yeah, but that's not self-contained. And the boys is not an easy watch. <laughs> the but boys see, has incredible like stuff in the background. <laughs> but it being self-contained is not why I would call it good, um, or exceptional for that matter. It's that doesn't matter to me. Um, okay, I just well, think it's fine. It's... I'm, I don't really understand your point, so I think we should just move on to the next series, unless yeah, you want to elaborate like, further. I just feel like it's there are better shows out there. And that's why this is underneath those. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. So going on to another show, which is also just good and not exceptional, but for, I would imagine, entirely different reasons. And that is Netflix's Shadow and Bone. Hmm. So this is one that I saw a trailer for a while back. It looked incredible because it just seemed like a, Gosh, I don't want to say it. Everybody wants a new Game of Thrones fix. Okay, that's what we're all looking for. And unfortunately, no one is providing it. But this kind of looked like that with a little bit more of a... uh, Not not sci-fi element, but like magical element, you know, because they never really explored it nicely in Game of Thrones the the way that everybody wanted it to. You know, even though they kept alluding to it. Anyway, I'm not going to go on a binge on why Game of Thrones is an issue. So, So Shadow of Bones is a shadow and bone is based on a book series and that is both a positive and a negative as we all know content that is often adapted from a book to any other kind of media including games although games are a little bit less you know on on that spectrum often fail to really you know capture everything available within the text Although they do generally great jobs of it, like Twilight Saga was very good, Harry Potter's been very good, Hunger Games was decent, um, I feel Shadow and Bone does a decent job overall. Now, I haven't read the books, and so I'm not offering commentary as somebody who's read the books, meaning that I'm not going to tell you, if, you know, because obviously I would assume books are better but you get what i'm saying though right i'm not i'm not looking at it from that perspective so i'm not going to critique it that way so i'm going to critique it from somebody who knows very little about it and then decided to watch the show and enjoy it so the little bit that i understand from it and this is one of the main issues with the show is that they don't do enough world and character building Mm -hmm. so they they throw you in 
And they mention stuff along the way, but there, in my personal opinion, just isn't enough to illustrate why we should care about certain characters and also what exactly is going on. <laughs> it, you it, know? It sounds like they kind of banked on the fact that people really read the book. This, 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 this. So while watching, it's very clear that they're showing the primary narrative within the books, but mm. they don't do a good enough job of explaining a lot of the things along the way. You know, like in this world, there are people called Grisha and Grisha have abilities. Now, they do a fairly decent job of explaining where that comes from and, and how it, it came about in this world and so on and so forth. But certain things are never explained. Like one of them is the, the main character, who is Alina Starkov, uh, portrayed by Jessie May Lee. And in the show, she's often referred to as a shoe. Not shoe like a, you know, the shoe that you wear, but I, I assume shoe as in S-H-U. Now, it is never not once explained in throughout the entire series what a shoe is, where the shoe come from, or why it's bad that she is a, a part shoe. Other than the fact that the, that people who are shoe, and I'm assuming it's a race of person, are just not liked. It's never addressed. Well, if the shoe fits. <laughs> well, yeah. Look, do, do you get what I mean, though? So, like, it was this yeah, one yeah, thing yeah. that just kind of, I kept wondering to myself, uh, why? What do the shoe people look like? Because she's the only one that they ever speak about. You know, mm. is it, and, and you know, and please excuse me for saying this, but is it because she has Asian features? It, is that, are, do, are, do shoe people look Asian? Is that, oh, that, is that the what they're shoe, going for? That look, makes the name shoe even more You know, bad. but you see, the, the, the thing is, there's no way to know. Now, of course, yeah. I automatically went to a visual, a visual representation of her race, not because I of wanted course. to, but because there was no other explanation in the show for why she's a shoe and how people can immediately tell there's a sh that she's a shoe by looking at her. So naturally, put two and two together, you have to assume there's a visual something on her that makes her look shoe. It's it's kind of how Stargate did this better, where they explained that Earthlings are foundlings. They're uh, Teno something. Okay. Um, and and they're a type of human. There are many oh. humans across the galaxy, but humans are this race whereas um the other people are the other race um so i assume that's this is cool i didn't know that like that that's cool you know? yeah or, yeah i mean, and I mean explained like in, in the same in the same token you could almost look at spock from star wars i mean star yeah. trek how you know his yeah, ears yeah, are trek. up so like you know that he's a vulcan he's a little bit different yeah, yeah he's a little bit slightly so look anyway what i'm trying to get at is there's a lot of things that they just don't explain and mm. it's a shame because the show is only eight episodes long and I feel they could have easily pushed that maybe to 12 and then added additional character building. So mm. one of my other biggest issues with the show is character building through pacing. So the show does this really weird change of time without actually telling you about it. So while you're watching, you're very much under the assumption that every episode is kind of like the next day. You know, it, it sort of appears to play out that way. But in the first five episodes where Alina is discovered to be the sun summoner, and I won't, I mean, I can't, I, I won't give, I mean, all of this is in the trailer. So it's not like I'm really like, you know, ruining anything. 
And, you know, the Sun Summoner has been, you know, prophesized for millennia and they've never known when it would come because there's something called the fold, which separates two parts of this land. And the fold is dark because it was created by the dark heretic, um, which was a, a shadow bender. And I'm going to use the word bender because a lot of the yes. show reminded me a lot of, um, of Avatar. Okay. So, like, in the show, you, you know, the, um, the, the Grisha who have abilities, they basically bend stuff. So, like, you get airbenders and firebenders and um, you get a shadow bender. And now there's a sun bender, which is, which is um, Alina Starkov in the show. Uh, so the thing is like, they're, they're talking about these things, but a lot of it really, really does get left on the, the cutting room floor. And what I mean by that is that, you know, as, as in terms of the timing, as I was talking about the first couple of episodes are deal with her coming into her own, but without actually telling the viewer years are passing years, literal years in terms of her development. So the reason why that for me was a big problem and why the pacing was an issue is because they now have this super fast pacing with limited character development. And then you mm. literally watch her go from loving her best friend to like forgetting about him because of something totally arbitrary. But of course, if you knew or were told that years were passing, of course, if you haven't heard from somebody in years, you would feel that way, no matter how yeah. much you love them, you see? Yeah. And it, now with that pacing in mind, there's another real, really big problem is that there are a lot of characters in this show. And when I say that there is a lot, there is a lot of narrative. So although Alina's story of her being the Sun Summoner is the main arc throughout the show, there are so many side narratives. One, like, like there was one, for example, which has to do with um, three characters, namely um, Inej Gaffa, Kaz Becker, and Jesper Fahey. And they're, they're known as the, the Crows. And they are on the western side of the fold. And Alina's on the eastern side of the fold. And bear in mind, okay. the fold can't be crossed because if you go in it, you basically die. And, you know, part of the story is how do you cross the fold? Anyway, anyway I, don't want to, I won't get into too much of it. It is very interesting from, a, you know, having said I, that. I know what the issue is now. Yes. So Leia Bardugo, the writer of Shadow and Bone, um, she wrote the Grisha trilogy, which is three books, which are three books. Yes. Um, she also wrote another trilogy called The Six of Crows, which yes. happens two years after <laughs> the fact. Now, this seems to be like an amalgamation of the two. So, I thought that too, and I did some yeah. reading, and it's not. So, oh. the, the Crows trilogy, which comes after this current trilogy, the Grisha trilogy, yeah. is a totally unique story. So, it just goes to show that the Crows are in the Grisha books. But they call it a duology. And it would, say, let me, look, I don't look, know, it's a, look, it sounds like a maze. I, I have read a bit about, like I said, I've read about the books. And I know that mm. what, they, what they did is, is the ones that specifically the, the three crow books you're talking about. That takes, place, yeah, yeah, yeah. that takes place after the Grisha trilogy. Same characters that were introduced in the Grisha trilogy. And which are obviously mm -hmm. introduced in the show. But basically, like, like what you've said, what, what I'm getting at is that all, although they haven't taken from those books, because I think that's going to be a spin-off series. I mean, I, I, the reason why I say that is because a lot of time was dedicated in the first season to set up these characters, which don't look like they will continue for a second season. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But I have a feeling that it's probably going to be a spin-off because they're, they're, they're really great characters. But now this is the, the big issue. 
is that at any one time, there's probably about five narratives going at once. And mm. that's normally not a problem. If you take the time to set everything up, and that to yeah. me is the biggest problem with Shadow and Bone, is because they throw so much at you without explaining enough, and then and then will assume that you will care for these characters. Like, like there's one other storyline, and I've forgotten the names because we've been just thinking like two nights. I can barely remember these people's names, but it has to do with uh, um, a heart render. So that's uh, somebody who has the ability to, you know, they can, they can touch you and they can tell you, they can sense when you're lying by your heartbeat yes. and they can make your heart explode and they can heal you. It's, it's actually very cool. Anyway. Um, and she's, she gets kidnapped by some other faction, which is a group of humans who, who don't believe in the Grishas at all. They're like Vikings almost. And want to exterminate them. Everybody wants to exterminate the Grisha, actually. But anyway, so they're like this offshoot. And I've forgotten their names. But they're like Vikings, basically, like I said. And there's like a love story between her and some guy like that. And it takes place over like five episodes. But the character building is so minimal. You just don't care. Like, I, every time I saw them on screen, I was like, can, I, can we please watch more of Alina? Or can we please see mm. more of Mel? Or can we please see more of General Kerrigan, who is so awesomely badass? Anyway. Um, overall it's a good show but it suffers from very poor pacing and not enough building up of the character in the world Mm. and it's a bit it's a shame because it really could have been exceptional so that's shadow and bone watch it it's pretty good (laughs) (laughs) it's it's decent like i mean like Uh, like the acting and stuff is good and you know the 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 narrative is decent and you know sure it's it's very much a young adult show and it's obvious that they've made that you know in mind Mm. but it's good i mean we all enjoyed it when we watched it so so yeah now something that's also very good and it has its own flaws and edward has also been enjoying it is falcon and the winter soldier very much um, I've only seen the first episode though. So to be fair. Um, again, finished the entire. Well, I want to say first season, but I don't think there's going to be a second. It really seems like Disney are doing miniseries for their shows in between the uh, the movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because it's quite clear there won't be a a follow up to One Division. And with okay. the way Falcon and Winter Soldier ends, I'm pretty sure there won't be another Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, I believe right at the as the final episode aired, they announced Captain America four. So that's it. so that's why yeah. there won't be a second season because yeah. the Falcon no longer exists. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and everybody, I'm sure, has seen the media now. Um, Anthony Mackie's character, the Falcon, takes on the mantle of being Captain America. And that is actually, yeah, that's, spoiler. that's actually what the entire season is about. It's about how a person of color in the United States needs to battle adversity and, you know, awful ideology along the way to represent a more inclusive America. That is, mm-hmm. That is the Falcon, the Winter Soldier in a nutshell. And it does a decent job of it. Sure, along the way, there are some missteps. You know, there's some unneeded exposition or, you know, unneeded aspects that they talk about every now and again, you know. And, you, you know, then they also, in my personal opinion, don't explore other characters enough. 
Um, like I felt that Bucky Barnes or Sebastian Stan's character was really relegated to the side in this show. And I was genuinely interested in actually learning more about him. But I get why Anthony Mackie's character was the primary and why he needed more exposition because of, as Edward said, Captain America 4 that's coming. But, you know, yeah. with that said, I personally feel that uh, Winter Soldier is a far more interesting character than the Falcon. I just, that's just my personal opinion. And I feel that there yeah. was so much story there that they they left on the cutting room floor because they had to push Captain America 4 versus embellishing these characters in what could have been, you know, a series, you know, maybe with a second or a third season. That's cool. Well, I mean, if we want to speak a little more about it, there's also Wyatt Russell, who was the fake Captain America. I don't know if you... Oh, yeah, yeah, Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, and he ends up being Agent A, which I'd never heard of until this show. Uh, and, then, and then there's also <laughs> the main protagonist um, who goes... who The actress's name is Erin Kellyman. And, you know, one thing I did really like was how they showed that very fine line between what it means to be a radical and a revolutionary. Yes. And I really did enjoy that exploration very much. I will admit. That's cool. I will admit. It's a great show. Oh. It's good visuals, good story. Um, you know, every now and again, it gets a bit wishy-washy. Um, and I feel that maybe the, the last two episodes, they try to bring a, a lot together. Like, you know, when you're dealing with a, a narrative that is heavy on racial you know, stereotypes and progression, it is difficult to try and tie all of that momentous, you know, narrative in like an episode. So like the last episode is a bit, it's a bit, it is wishy-washy, but they still did a decent job, uh, personally speaking. And I really enjoyed it. I'm actually very much, as I mentioned before, I've never really been a big fan of the Falcon, but after having watched the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I'm actually so keen to see him in the role of Captain America 4, to be, to yeah. be absolutely honest. Like, it, like the, this show has given me that, like, yeah, you go, guy, you know? <laughs> like, as I've said, I haven't seen all of them yet, but um, I have seen the models, uh, the collectible toys that's coming now, so and good. how he looks, so good. Yeah. and he looks amazing. But, but not, just, suit is so not just that, it's also his character. So, mm. you know, for the longest time, the Falcon's sort of been relegated to, like, the B cast, <laughs> yeah know, the, in in the, the background the, the, <laughs> yeah, yeah so now Shame. he's at the forefront and every, every now and again it seems a little bit forced you know like the the way that he would he'll say things and you're a bit like oh you know that's very captain america of you but like we get it you know <laughs> that's a that's one line you know <laughs> yes <laughs> Now, something it's a comic book. that um, has nothing to do with superheroes or people or anything is the documentary My Octopus Teacher. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard about it. <laughs> I've heard about it. Um, I thought it was some kitty thing. I, I, know, right. I have no idea what so, it is. My Octopus Teacher is very interesting. It's not new. It came around in 2020. Netflix exclusive in South Africa. But it is a South African made, produced, and filmed documentary. It uh, it takes place near False Bay in like a, ro- a remote location there, and basically it's spearheaded by a man called Craig Foster, who is a documentarian. Yeah, and he found himself in a bit of a lull, like most people did, I guess, in twenty twenty. 
and felt he needed inspiration. And so one of his outlets was to explore the oceans, you know, go and swim a little bit. And he managed to find this beautiful secluded spot. And in this spot, he came across an octopus who he eventually named rather lovingly Rosetta. Rosetta. Okay. And he would, over a period of 340 days, visit her every day and form a relationship with her. And this documentary chronicles this. Now, we have previously on Gettle spoken about cephalopods. Yeah. How absolutely, incredibly intelligent they are. And this film really just compounds that notion of how incredible these creatures are and how little we know of them and how you are able to form bonds with them, even if they might not seem cuddly like a cat or a dog. And it is an absolutely incredible look into not only our oceans, but just nature in general. And it is a very good documentary. I, I, I do recommend it. I almost want to say it's exceptional. Almost. It also it won an Oscar, by the way, just in case anybody's wondering. My only question now is, will he continue to visit her? Because now he's formed this bond. Edward? No spoilers. <laughs> okay. If, if I tell you... I, I, let me just say, if you are a bit of a softer like I am, watch the documentary with some tissues. That's all I'm going to say about whether or not he will continue to go back to see her. With that said, it's not what you think. Um, okay, because I'm thinking things now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have to say that because the way that it ends, it does leave it somewhat open-ended, but I don't want to spoil it because I do believe that it's a very, it's a good documentary. To, and it's not even that long. It's like an hour and a half. It's a mm. lovely story, um, you know, about this man who felt that he lost himself and then found himself again through the love and affection of an octopus. I know that sounds like a story for hentai. That's not where I'm going. Um, yeah, it's just <laughs> innocence. It's it's a good yes. story. It's it's okay. it, it, it was just it's just lovely. It's just lovely, you know. And I do um, like documentaries, so I'll put it on my list. Okay, so. good. And and if those of you, if you do, those who listen and watch, if you do end up watching it, please let me know what you think as well. That goes for everything, really. All the stuff that we discuss. Mm. Um, and it was also quite funny because while we were watching it, my mother was like, "We're gonna, we're not eating calamari anymore. We're done eating <laughs> calamari." <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I don't care what you name the cow, that octopus, whatever, I'll still eat it. Well, this is literally <laughs> what I said. Now, um, with that in mind, with that in mind, Edward, I have to ask, I've got to, I have to ask this of you. Yeah, yeah. If given the option, would you eat yourself? Now, understand, I know this is not the NSFW section, and I don't mean autofellatio. <sighs> All right. <laughs> no, no, I know. Like, like you mean like if I'm stuck? Actually, wait, wait, wait. No, no. Let's go. Let's food. go back. Let's go back. Would you eat human meat? In extreme cases, yes, I would. Okay. Um, I'm not averse to surviving. <laughs> okay, but, okay, hold on, but okay. I, I mean, in general, let's say you went to, you could you could buy human in the shop. No, I don't think okay. so. If it's a choice, if if I can survive, otherwise, yes, I I wouldn't. That 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 makes sense. I 
I think I feel similarly to you where I don't know yeah. if I want to eat human meat. Yeah. Um, which again is also very hypocritical if you think about it because we'll eat everything except human and we have plenty of, of humans to go around. Anyway, anyway. See, uh, <laughs> the truth. Uh, you've got a point there. <laughs> so where, where I'm going with this is if, if you did, however, have mm. the opportunity to eat yourself, all right, Again, not autofalacio. Yeah. That would be amazing, but not that. But you didn't have to be in a dire circumstance to do so, would you? Meaning, no. like, like, let's say you, you could just cut a piece of your thigh off and cook it and it wouldn't harm you. Like, like you just want to eat yourself, is what I mean. That sounds... Uh, <laughs> I'm imagining I've seen this in a movie somewhere, but no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. No. I'm not, not sure. By choice. I'm not sure either. Okay. Yeah, but I I mentioned this because yeah. there is a company called Orochef, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, which is using the the concept of lab grown meat, which we have discussed several times in the in the past. How that is technically the future. It, it's actually there's a special name for it. It's called cellular agriculture. Um. Anyway, this company, it's either Orochef or Orochef, sell kits whereby you can grow your own meat in a Petri dish and eat it. See, but that's different. <laughs> See, now, now, you're, now you're telling me I can create a clone finger and eat that instead of cutting my own finger. Okay, yes. okay look, it's not, it's not exactly... That's I mean, different. I mean, <laughs> is it though? Is I would it? do it just for science, okay? Just for the See, experience. See, now this, now that's the interesting thing about it because... I, I kind of would want to know what I taste like yeah. as well. And, and, and the reason why they're doing this, right, is because they say it is, and I quote, your cultivated self, sustainably, ethically, and consensually sourced cultivated foods. You don't get more consensual <laughs> than that. So, like, <laughs> I mean... You, you, you know, the, the thing is, though, the thing is, though, they, are, they assume, okay, that it, you're putting your cells in there to eat. But now imagine you're like, obsessive like a stalker and you get oh, like no, man. <laughs> i'm Wait, just i'm just putting it you... out there <laughs> your mind is all like you season four or season five and you well, i mean there. i mean that would be the natural progression whereby this guy would eventually get cells from somebody that he's obsessed with and then and then yeah, eat, it. Oh, la, 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 la. Just oh, eat it oh i'm getting gooses this is weird <laughs> that that's weird territory <laughs> But yes, I in this scenario, I yeah, I would. Yeah. Okay. Well anyway, that's all I really wanted to speak about. It's just yeah, okay. whether or not you'd eat yourself and if you could cultivate wow. your own flesh, would you? That is honestly something I'd love for you all who listen to to respond. Like, would you? You know? Edward is inclined to do it. I guess I am. Of course I yeah, do feel like science. as I as I played devil's advocate just now, you know, the they say that, you know, it's consensual and it's ethical, but like this could so be misused. Okay. So although I am a fan of uh, cellular agriculture, where I do believe we should be manufacturing animal meats, you know, cause they don't get hurt. You know, nobody's, you know, it's also more sustainable. It's better for the environment and so on and so forth. You know, who knows? Maybe one day you'll walk into a Woolies and there is a uh, A grade Gettle beef, and it's your, myself and Edward, yours truly, <laughs> on the store shelves. 
see, we we don't have stalkers because we we <laughs> sustain them from far away. <laughs> we we give them what they want. Oh my gosh! Um, now, um, with that said, a couple of episodes back, actually, in Gedel Forty Nine, um, season two, episode seven, we spoke about the descent and yeah. how people had gone down into this cave for forty days to do this. Um, uh, I think it was time experiment to how the perception deep, of time. You know, time all of a sudden, yeah. I'm thinking they could they could curate their own meat down there. That's you know, exactly like you... <laughs> what I was thinking as well. <laughs> That's anyway. So I, I, I'm bringing this up and I'm relating these two together because they have emerged, and mm-hmm. we have nothing to fear. There is no the descent scenario happening. Nobody has. Um, everybody made it out alive. They've all been accounted for apparently. And it seems like the experiment was a success. Um, See, <laughs> this is what we've been told. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, do you, do you think there's something else behind the scenes, I don't perhaps? Know. I don't hey? know. Well, postulate, we don't know what Edward. There. We don't know if they cloned themselves and ate their own meat and became, and I don't what, know, monsters. Well, what are the odds that I would discover our chef? After they emerge from there. <laughs> that's all I'm going to... That, that's, okay. that's, that's my point. <laughs> Look, what, what, was, what was really fascinating about this experiment is um, they actually spoke about little things, how you know they had to manage time without a perception of time and how allegedly mm-hmm. everybody started to sync up with each other. So like when everybody went to... Like when people started going to sleep, everybody would go to sleep. You know, mm-hmm. weird things like that. And they all had to rely on their like own circadian rhythms and i'm just like i was honestly like reading this and i'm thinking to myself i would probably just sleep a lot yeah because like what else is there to do exactly well one guy apparently ran 10 kilometer circles underground and i was just like you know props to you for stinking up the joint but anyway <laughs> <you know? laughs> yeah thanks thanks steve like <laughs> <laughs> now yeah. on, on this topic of um you know, cloning yourself and so on and so forth. I, I found something else also very interesting, and this is not exactly to do with the traditional aspect of cloning per se, but it has to do with AI bringing back people from the dead. Now, okay. we have in cinema seen how, you know, Disney has brought, um, you know, Princess Leia back for Absolutely. you know other movies and Luke Skywalker and so on and so forth. And we've often spoken about deepfakes to the point where I actually had a deepfake topic for this episode, but I've pushed it to a future one. Now, with that in mind, you know, and and with deepfakes specifically on the mind, we've spoken about AI. Now, if you merge these things together, whereby you take an AI and then you take records of somebody, maybe a, a famous celebrity and all of their works, could you technically recreate the celebrity for future audiences? Maybe. So, so this is where that whole ethical thing comes in, right? Where I know that like Robin Williams, for example, he actually had a clause in his contract whereby when he passed, that was it. You can never use yeah. his voice or his likeness ever again in any form of media. Um, it's absolutely Which fantastic. Is, and yeah. Yeah. Right. I, I, mean, I mean, look at everyone, look at what Disney's doing. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> So I bring, this, I, bring, I bring this up now because I came across this thing called 
The Lost Tapes of the 27 Club. Now, for those who may not know, the 27 Club is this unofficial club where over the years, specifically musicians, but it's also inclusive of actors, how many of them would die at the age of 27, most of the time through suicide, all right? Mm. Um, You know, there are a lot of people on this list, like Kurt Cobain and... um, Amy Winehouse, Amy Winehouse and Jimi Hendrix, and there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of people. So, what this 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 the Lost Tapes of the Twenty Seven Club did is they used um, Google's over the bri- uh, sorry Google's Magenta AI and a generic neural network. Yeah, I didn't even know that Google had this thing called Magenta AI, but anyway, they mm. used that with a generic a generic neural network, and they took, for example, uh, they they took. Okay, they did this with several artists, right? So they did it with, with um, the guy from Nirvana and Amy Winehouse and Jimi Hendrix. And um, they took like 20, like 20 to 30 songs from each of them. They fed it into this AI that they created. And then they looked at the results. And what was incredibly fascinating about it is that the AI produced everything with the exception of vocals. So it did the backtracks, the audio pitches, and even the lyrics. And That's cool. Edward, it's frightening. <laughs> yeah. But it's cool. Like, um, yeah. It, no, I imagine, know, I, imagine this now. This is a, like, we've done Gettle for, this is our 54th episode. Now imagine yeah. someone out there taking these 54 episodes of two hours in length, or plus minus, plus minus, like an hour and a half. They can effectively reconstruct us in AI. Yeah. <laughs> and using deep fakes, they could even make us look like we're talking. Well, yes, because we also have video on YouTube. So, yeah. personally, I find it absolutely frightening. However, it is incredibly fascinating. And I will link, we will link in the show notes where you can actually go and listen to the songs that were created by this AI. And yeah. although they did one for Nirvana's frontman and Jimi Hendrix and Amy Winehouse. My personal favorite was the Amy Winehouse one. I mean, that one to me, if you didn't know any better, you would think, gosh, damn, that's Amy Winehouse. Yeah. Now, with that said, um, there is one caveat, and that is that the because the AI doesn't do the voices, although they probably could because we've spoken about deepfake voices in the past, they did take like cover artists, like cover, you know, people who do cover bands, you know, of, of famous singers and things like that. And they got them to sing the lyrics that the AI generated. Oh, and, I see. I, yeah. I thought they cut vocals from the 30 tracks up into bits and then you pasted see, it. To I, I think that would have been even more impressive. But, you know, yeah. if you look at voice tech today, we aren't really at that point where it's, mm. it's smooth and flawless. You know, you can, you can hear yeah. it's artificial, you know. So, um, but, but who knows? It's coming. I mean, the queen yeah, was deep faked uh, end of last year. Main, remember, yeah. her entire yeah. address was deep faked. The voice so and was the... Obama. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's coming. Maybe they haven't done vocals for for singing yet, but um, it could be on the way. It's what, what, what do you, on the way, what yeah. do you guys think? What do you think of this? You know, like, do we now need to have um, special clauses in our life insurance to ensure that no one ever replicates us? Because, you, you, hold it, hold it. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Here's a hypothetical. I just thought about it. <laughs> what if you wanted these famous people and you cultured your meat to eat and you love eating yourself and then you die, but you didn't have a non-disclosure agreement? 
now people have workable cells to clone you and generate your <laughs> your likeness. <laughs> Everything about you, essentially. This is some of the island shit. This is where that began. You know? <laughs> Obviously, those were clones. You know, but I've, I've thought about that. Like, like oh, this might sound really bad, but I would so, if I had the money, clone another version of myself for parts. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. I'm you know, I will say yes, because... Listen, say what you will about the movie The Island, okay? But those rich people, they had that they had good ideas. I, I would totally this is, make a clone of myself and harvest it for, for a this kidney. Is, this is us doing that whole Thanos had a point thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, Look, we did, okay. I, if, if memory serves, last year we had a very similar discussion about the ethical quandaries around creating a clone of yourself. Because, yeah, you know, let, now, assuming, of course... You see, if you cloned yourself in full with brain and all, you would have to assume mm. that that thing has a soul. You have to, because yeah. how else would it be alive? But what if you cloned it without a brain? Is it still alive? Anyway, mm. topic for another day. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, yeah. That, now, really, uh, now of course, you know, topics. what if the clones come out deformed and so on and so forth? Now, with, with deformities, and I don't mean them in, you know, negligent or ne- uh, negligible ways. What I mean by that is the flashed face distortion effect. Everybody? <laughs> okay. I, I, I see. I see Edward's face. It's just like, what is this now? Because we just talked yeah. about you know deformities and not having a brain and you know eating yourself. What else is all this? I'm <laughs> seeing? All I'm seeing is discovered by accident. Now I'm wondering like, yeah. how. <laughs> okay, okay. Okay. So the flash face distortion effect is very yeah. disturbing. And as Edward just mentioned, it was literally discovered by accident. How somebody did? I I I'm a bit perplexed myself as to know. Because, so essentially what it is, is the following. It's it's a visual illusion, right? Where you'd be looking at, let's say, a white rectangle with a face on the left and a face on the right. And in the middle is a black uh, cross. And what happens yeah. is, is you keep your, your, your visuals on the black cross. And then the faces on the left and the right continue to should... fluctuate between a variety yeah. of other faces. And in this sense for the study, they used actors' faces because actors are generally good looking. And what actually ends up happening is those faces become distorted and end up looking monstrous as they flick and switch on in your your peripheral vision. <laughs> okay. Again, how they discovered this, nobody knows, but somehow they did. And the the fact is, the most interesting about it is that it's all new. It's new science. They don't know why this happens. And the reason why they're finding it so fascinating is because generally, generally, the human brain and our ocular system is exceptional at picking out patterns and faces and things. So the fact that we've now discovered an optical illusion or visual illusion where the brain cannot pick up correctly the switching of faces in our peripheral vision is it's mind-boggling. People, the, the 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 scientists are like, "How? Why? What is going on?" <laughs> that's that's dope. That, it sounds super scary though, but it's Listen, maybe Edward, that's like what we really look like. Look, look, you know. <laughs> okay, so I will link to a video where you can all go and try it out, and I implore you to do so because it's it's really just it's fascinating. Now, when I did it, now I, I I you know did this video, I thought to myself. How often do we sometimes catch glimpses of things in our peripheral vision? You know, like, like a good example for me is I've always had pets. 
So when we lost our home to the fire and we moved into the apartment, I would every now and again always see or seem to see in my peripheral vision a cat. But we didn't have one at the time. I'm not saying all the time. I'm not going crazy here, y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, you know, it was every, every, <laughs> every like once in a while, like, you know, I'd be doing something. And I think the familiarity of the situation would make me think my cat's there. But obviously hmm. she, she's not, she perished in the fire, you know. Until, of course, we, we, we got cobalt. Now, that's different. You know, having cobalt around, it actually, it was him all the time. That, 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 that like fake illusion disappeared, if that makes sense. So then I had to wonder, you know, what about people who see weird things? You know, see things in the dark or like, you know, things that you're, you know, you're over active imagination, you know, or, or then again, how reliable is our, you know, brain and ocular systems really in the heat of seeing something? Su- like, let's say you're running through a mall. Now, those yeah. are faces going past you. Like, how, how quickly would you be able to ascertain somebody's facial features? you know, to explain who it was or look again, I'm not reaching, you know, because obviously the things that I'm talking about now are very different. You know, this particular study is literally, they call it eye aligned whereby the eyes of the, 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 the the faces are aligned with the cross in the middle. So it's, it's eye aligned and it needs to be eye aligned. Otherwise the effect doesn't happen. Mm. You see? So it's, it's very interesting. And, and, you know, again, adding to this, um, it's called a, it's it's part of scientific phenomenology, right? Which has to do with the psychological aspect of it before the neurological theories can take place. And this is why, again, it's so fascinating because they discovered this before understanding how it could neurologically happen, which makes it even more That's important. Cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I actually found out so many more interesting things about this, how like, the human our, our faces and the brains and that can actually see even faces upside down like quickly in terms of recognition and yet mm-hmm. this is causing us to be confused you know as if you're seeing grotesque zombies on in like your the, weird peripheral vision like the ring shit yeah <laughs> um on the topic of zombies by the way and i think that was you leading into you're it. welcome <laughs> <laughs> because again i'm bad at these things um yeah, we've been speaking about cloning and grotesque stuff pretty much all episode now. I've found the most fascinating thing, okay? Um, <laughs> so so I was actually following another post, um, which I wanted to... I, I was thinking of talking about, which is this, this Russian guy who accidentally found himself in a Chinese um, reality show and he just wanted <gasps> out and no one would, would vote him out. I saw that, I saw that. Anyway, yeah, shame. <laughs> anyway, so I was f- following that story um, to see how it unfolds, and then I came across this as a recommendation. Thanks, Reddit, um, <laughs> and it's fascinating, and that that it's real. Oh, is what? No. So, yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I, I saw your heading. You're just like Russian zombie super soldiers, and I'm just like, yes. Of all the things, that, okay, tell me, Edward, because I have not read it, so I don't real, know what this is about. This okay. is. So, um, a, a few decades ago, archaeologists found DNA of perfectly preserved Scythian warriors. Now, that's basically ancient Siberian warriors. Oh, I was just about to ask. Um, I was like, what is a Scythian warrior? All right. Yeah, it's it's ancient Siberian. Um, okay. They found perfectly preserved. So, so I guess they were mummified um, in a sense. Oh, kind of like uh, the um, the mammoth. You know, it was like it was like frozen in place, yes. almost like flash frozen. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and, and it's super cold in Siberia, so I guess that's essentially oh my gosh, it's what all it was. The same place. <laughs> yeah, it's all the same. It's all up there. I um, wonder if they rode because I see you know you're telling me that there are this this um, breed of like superhuman or whatever. I wonder if they rode mammoths. You know, I, I don't know. <laughs> they were they were buried with their horses. So oh, okay. these I were mean, like it, super it three thousand years old. So who knows, right? Who knows? Yeah. We, we wouldn't know. Um, maybe they fought against the people who wrote the mammoths. Probably ate them. Anyway, <laughs> probably, probably. Um, so, so it turns out that the current Russian uh, defense minister, uh, his name is Sergei Shuigu. Uh, I, I know that's not how you spell it, but that's how you pronounce that's it. That's perfectly fine. Um, we all know you're, you're learning Russian, so. <laughs> so he recently came across this find and decided that, hmm, the best cause of action to do with this perfectly preserved DNA would be to clone them, make them alive, and turn them into super soldiers. Bravo. Bravo. You have my <laughs> approval. Hans Haupt approves. As y'all know, I'm all for the genetic revival of dinosaurs. And if getting them is, is, is raising some superhumans, let's go. <laughs> this is some Dothraki shit. That's all I'm going to say. Like... Um, <laughs> <laughs> essentially the, the 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 point of his whole speech now i'm not gonna i don't think i have the whole speech i ha- i have a link to it the point of his entire speech is essentially to say that we have perfect for the first time in in uh, russian history yes, or eurasian yes. history we have perfectly preserved warriors um we've always had skeletons and mummified um, yeah, yeah. Parts of bodies, like bits and bobs of things, never enough he, to actually make something from. Exactly. Now, now he, this is so well preserved. He wants to see what we can do in terms of cloning, um, and if it will be able to now, create super soldiers in the first okay, place. Why do they keep saying super soldier? Because that's <laughs> like what he I mean. Wants I to mean. Do. Okay. No, but, but hold on. I hold, think okay. it's because. Look, they're Scythian warriors, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What makes them special? Are they, like, larger than normal men? Are they... I mean, like, I understand why they'd want to clone them to see what people uh-huh. of 3,000 years ago would look like or, you know, yeah. perform like. But what makes them super? That, that's what I'm I'm wondering here. See, I, I don't really know much about the history of Russia and Siberia and all that, but I think maybe they were... Uh, world conquering warriors, and that's you know, what maybe the maybe is. it's kind of like thinking about cloning original Vikings, right? Because weren't they yeah. really big people? Yeah, like bigger than the people, people today. Yeah. I stand to be corrected. Mm-hmm. No, no, you're correct. They, they were tall people, so huge is just like a like we're talking about like seven so. foot kind of thing, right? Yes. You see now, so I think so. This see, is the now, same. now, now, if that is what we're going with, hulking brutes. Who have like you know like what testosterone filled and like you know the, the the ladies can bear children left right and center and are also <laughs> super strong and powerful just like the men, you know. Like it listen, would be, I'm all for this. It would be in, yes, yes. I want to see. I want to see what they yeah. look like. But but yeah. but do you mean that he wants to do more with them though, or like like what is the, the whole purpose here? So so the, the whole purpose. At least his speech is just saying that we want to clone them and make them alive. Now, according to the Daily Mail, he, um, he they have sources and they say he wants to create an army out of this clone, out of the, these <laughs> clones he's got to create. Okay, so um, so, so, so two things, two things. Mm-hmm. He's falling into 
the Super Soldier Serum, right? Which was come from Captain America and the Winter Soldier and Captain America Essentially. 4. Yeah. And now the Clone Wars from Star Wars a la The Mandalorian. Yep. That's... <laughs> That's pretty much exactly what it is. Um, Those of you who are listening, please note, we don't plan these episodes. The fact that this is all lining up so wonderfully is really great. (laughs) So so the thing is, um, whether he is going to go through with it or not is a different story. Um, Because it might only be a political ploy at the end of the day. It might just be empty promises. I, I I think there'll be a lot of ethical red tape. I mean, imagine yeah. this government bringing these people back. Like, they would have to answer where did they get the eggs from? Where did? Because you see, I understand, right, that mm. having the DNA of these people doesn't now mean they can make sperm and eggs to create something. They they can only take the DNA from these these uh, bodies or whatever, and then imbue yeah. them into other human cells that they still need to harvest. From someone or something else, you see? Well, they can't give consent until one of them is born and able to speak. So No, uh, no. anyway, look, this is is fascinating. It's super fascinating. I want to know what they look like so that we can (laughs) size them up to us today. (laughs) Size them up, if you will. (laughs) Um, The the thing is, what, what makes this even more fascinating is that uh, Shuigo, he has the support of Vladimir Putin already in his course. But of course, Vladimir and... is going to support him. This guy is already <laughs> poisoning tea left, right, and center. What's to say? He's exactly. Not... <laughs> of uh, course, he wants a already... super soldier to do his bidding. <laughs> and he's he's superstitious as well because he's already ordered a shaman to be at every single excavation they pull these bodies from. Um. My so, goodness, this is just—I don't know. This this sounds like some evil, <laughs> evil genius. Shit, you know, you okay? know what this. You know what this sounds like. This sounds like the news narrative for a future Wolfenstein game. <laughs> Mate, yeah, except except instead of Nazis, it's going to be Scythian soldiers or Scythian warriors. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Wolfenstein going north or whatever. It really does. Well, well, Edward, um, that that's cool. All right, um, now yeah. on to. NSFW. <laughs> I wanted to make a lewd joke about, you know, the size of the, the genitals these people might have. You know, after last week's <laughs> episode with the, the, the phthalates and how they're making penises smaller, you can only imagine that maybe they're like, boom, you know, donkey size. Like huge. <laughs> well, I, I think they are, to be fair. Um, no, th- I don't know. We don't know, do we? I mean, we've never had like a real, like physically preserved human from that so long ago. You know, we only have like yeah. the skeletons to base off of. So exactly, exactly. I don't know, Edward. What I do know is that you have a story of people sticking their penises in bottles. So... Yeah, we so, are. And it's not yes. the kind of genie that's going to rub you the right way. For <laughs> I think I might have found the penis in a bottle origin story, Anz. Um, <laughs> you know, which... I've heard of a wish in a bottle, okay, and a message <laughs> in a bottle. But uh, this is the first for <laughs> the penis uh, in a bottle. That reminds me of, the, of that um, Weird Al song, uh, Weenie in a Bottle, which is just a play of genie in a bottle. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's such a good song. Anyway, <laughs> so I found... A post from IFL Science. Um, it, they're very good. Where they found um, notes from ni- from eighteen forty nine of a man <laughs> who had his penis stuck Listen. 
in the this neck is, of a bottle. This is that Tom Cruise movie time period. So, <laughs> sorry, not yeah, Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks movie <laughs> yeah, time Tom period. Hanks, Tom yeah, Hanks. yeah, yeah. Okay, so so eighteen forties. This guy be sticking his pee pee in bottles. Okay. So it turns out that it might not have been on purpose. At least, oh wait, the sticking you in mean, the bottle part. You mean it wasn't for pleasure or? No, it it was for relief in a different way, and that is for peeing. For urinating. Now okay. we we all know the cliche of when you when you go on a long uh, drive, you need to pee, but you can't stop. You just pee into a bottle. No. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, I was I was I was, I was I was just gonna say I was just gonna say because if this is the 1800s, I'm quite mm-hmm. sure there wasn't plumbing, so. He was just too lazy <laughs> Wait, to yeah. leave the house to pee pretty in much. the open fields. <laughs> that's that's pretty much what happened. So so this young guy, he he woke up one night and he really needed to pee. He found a bottle in his quarters, which turns out was meant for experiments. Um, <laughs> he opened it up. He put his pee pee on the edge, and then boom, flash! It sucked inside, <laughs> and everything's burnt. Now. <laughs> <laughs> now, 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 I'm going to read you the doctor's <laughs> notes on this, okay? Because it's fascinating. Okay, okay. Okay, <clears throat> I quote. A few months ago, I was called in great haste to a young gentleman who was in a most ludicrous yet painful condition. <laughs> I found, on examination, a bottle holding about a pint with a short neck and small mouth firmly attached to his body by the penis. <laughs> which was drawn through the neck and projected into the bottle, being swollen and purple. It's so sore. Now, I would not... (laughs) It sounds painful. Now, what what makes it even more painful is the fact that it's only 1.9 centimeters in diameter. Um, For our American listeners, that's that's 0.7 inches. Shame. That's that's Coke bottle size. Okay, I think smaller, isn't it? Anyway, yeah, either uh, way, that's it's, small, it's even for a flaccid penis. Yeah, there, even for now, now, what what caused this? Turns out that it was potassium. There was potassium in the bottle, and obviously, we all know potassium is a chemical compound. And if it comes into contact with other compounds, let's say urine, it, it, it explodes. Oh my! Okay, it, but <laughs> not in the way you would think. It, it reacted. It makes a flash and it vacuums. <laughs> <laughs> so the moment this guy put his the tip of his penis onto the bottle and started peeing, he burned, it made a flash, oh a burning God. flash, and he vacuumed his penis into the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's zero for man, plus one for science. <laughs> literally. It's so bad. And and you, the point of the story, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I guess, is that not to be lazy and to just go pee in a or, toilet or, wait, or go no, outside. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You know what? This this wafts of I fell and that's why I have a lava lamp in my butt. I know. Okay. That's why I got into this in the first place. This is the- <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm thinking. This is more like he was uh, at somebody else's home. Because think about it. If this was his, he should know what's in the bottles. Now, that's not to say that maybe he didn't think there'd be a reaction. Maybe he's not that intelligent. But what else did he have potassium in a bottle for? Do you know what I mean? 
So, so maybe one of two things. Maybe he just was, you know, groggy in the middle of the night, just need to pee. So you grab whatever you can find. Or he was having some good times at somebody else's house. Okay. And picked mm-hmm. up one of whatever scientists was there, goodies, and then ended up with the situation. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I guess that's that's more than than plausible. Actually, what happened? Because, gosh, if if I if you read further into the doctor's notes, uh, he he explained the the way the the vacuum worked, which is by saying the first jet of urine was followed by an explosive sound and flash of fire, and quick as thought, the penis was drawn into the bottle with a oh, force wow. and tenacity which held it as firmly as in a vice. Now, this sounds painful. Did he just leave it like that, though? Or did he, like, he, I mean... like No, he, he was... He called the doctor after that. So, but why didn't he just smash the bottle? I don't know. I don't think you would think I about that. In the, like, in, well, I, I don't think he was thinking at all. I mean, if my penis got sucked into a bottle like that, I think I'd just be screaming. Yeah, you'd be... <laughs> and then like everybody comes um, around, what's going on? My penis! <laughs> yeah, my penis in the bottle. And no it got one sucked will in. <laughs> no one will believe no, that. No, that, 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 that's when the, the parents come in and are like, mm-hmm. <laughs> we told you not to do that, Jeremy. <laughs> 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 you know, it's like the 1800s version of a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> but that's exactly what it is. What if he heard? What if he heard? No, no shame. Let, let, let's go with naivete. Because I was going to say, what if he heard? That you know, pee reacts and it causes a suction, and he thought that he would use this suction for a good time. Listen, if he's eighteen years old and living in France, <laughs> I would believe that. Then I would again, one hundred percent. No, but then again, with with, the, with an under two centimeter opening, you'd be a damn right fool to be putting it anywhere near there. I don't know. Put pee. some Vaseline on there, and <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, Ed, jeez. Well, yeah, uh, moving on from what penises in a bottle to yeah, yeah. vaccines, hey? Okay, that's so, good. <laughs> is it? <laughs> so this was a bit of a, a bit of an interesting one to me. Um, it, I'm sure you've heard of HPV. Yes, the human papillomavirus. What? The human papillomavirus. 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 Yeah. Okay, or papillomavirus. I probably spelled it incorrectly there. So it's a viral infection and it normally happens through skin to skin contact. And it is also one of the most common STIs. What Mm -hmm. makes it dangerous or HPV dangerous is that it can cause cancer and that there are actually over 40 variants of the hundreds of variants that are available in the world that can lead to um, throat, nose, mouth, and even cervical cancer. You know, and the reason why you, you can say all of this is because obviously, you know, cunnilingus, you know, going down, you know, that kind of thing between partners. You know, obviously, any kind of oral sex this is how you can transmit it. But in addition to that, you yeah. can also get genital warts, meaning that you can just transmit it that way as well. Now, I have, every time I've heard about HPV, I've heard about it from a lady's perspective, meaning that. Um, there is a vaccine out there, and it is highly, highly recommended for all women under the age of 21, as it so happens, actually anybody under the age of 40, to be honest, um, mm-hmm. can go for this vaccine to help prevent you from getting cervical cancer. Like, like it legit stops you from getting cancer if you contract this. It's amazing. Everybody should be getting this vaccine. All right, well, everybody that at the time I thought could only be woman. Yeah. As it so happens... Men should go for the vaccine as well. 
it's not just exclusive to women. Apparently, the vaccine works for men and women, even though it's only primarily uh, discussed with regards to women and cervical cancer. And the reason why this is now gaining some traction is because um, of all the cancers that can come about from HPV, one of them is oropharyngeal cancer. And it is one of the leading causes of cancer by HPV. And it occurs in over 80% of cases in men. In other words, men who have this kind of cancer, 80% of them come from the fact that they have HPV. And the reason why this is significant is because this new research is showing that men are actually more predisposed to this kind of cancer than women are for even cervical cancer because of HPV. Meaning that men need to get vaccinated with the HPV vaccine. It's not just Mm. for ladies. So it blew my mind a little bit because I have all the literature I've seen has been HPV for women, cervical cancer. That's it. That's what you always hear. And I thought, oh, well, it's cool. I don't have to get it. You know, what would be the benefit of me getting it as a man, right? Exactly. Well, as it so happens, it's very beneficial to you as a man because it means that A, you don't get it, B, you won't transmit it, and C, you also will reduce your chance of having of getting cancer that is HPV related. And why this is not common common talk is I don't know, I don't I don't understand it. I don't know why they're saying it's a lady only vaccine and why only young girls should get it and so on and so forth. This is it, this is a human issue you know humans get cancer everybody should be getting this regardless of the gender so this goes back to to what we spoke about the other day um about the non-gender specific yes um, pointlessly gendered yes yeah medications and stuff yeah look i understand why this has been labeled as a young girl's vaccine you know because of the cervical cancer Mm -hmm. so on and so forth but that's also misappropriating what the vaccine does. I mean, exactly. I mean, I didn't even know that it would be effective in men. I mean, mm. I guess through the ignorance that I, you know, I, w- I was formerly ignorant about the situation, thinking that oh, um, it wouldn't make a difference. Maybe if I caught it, I could pass it on, but it wouldn't, you know, it doesn't make a difference to me. But it does. Yeah, HPV affects everybody, and you, everybody can get cancer from it. This is the big thing. This is what they're talking about here. And the other super interesting thing is, is that um, most people don't even realize they can get HPV. It's it's that common. The good news, though, is that about 90% of HPV infections go away within two years on their own. But it's that Mm. lingering 10% of those 40 cancer-producing strands that you have to worry about. And, you know... 40%, 40%, I mean, 40 out of 100 strands. I mean, that that's a lot. That's almost 50% of a chance, if you think about it. Yeah, that's huge. Basically, yeah. everybody should be get, being get vac- vaccinated against this. And um, I did more reading into it as well, and it turns out that um, we're even we're el- eligible, Edward. Um, anyone under the age of 40, as far as I understand, even older, um, the, the effectiveness has been proven at almost any age, as long as you haven't already been exposed to it. And even if you have, it does, um, I think it does help or rather, I think from what I remember reading is that the reason why they don't suggest it for people over a certain age is because they assume you've already got it, but you might not. Mm-hmm. So that you should get checked. And then this is where yeah. more, the, a further interesting thing comes in. And I stand to be corrected, but from this article that I read, it turns out that there actually isn't um, an easy DNA test for men 
for HPV, but there is for women. Wouldn't it just be the same as women? No, though? apparently it's not. Apparently the same test that can determine um, cancer-causing HPV in women, it's a DNA test, cannot be used for men for some reason. And wow. I thought, again, I thought that was, once again, very strange. Um, yeah, again, weird. all the more reason to get vaccinated, y'all. <laughs> now, and of course, bear in mind, I mean, I'm not saying you, they can't tell it at all. It's just mm. that, um, you know, specifically for the cancer-causing ones, there isn't actually a reliable DNA test like there is for ladies and cervical cancer. So mm. um, it's very, very interesting. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm actually legitimately considering going and getting it. Yeah, um, so much. no, it's for like, real, for real. It's, uh, it's good just because I mean, more, you know, you know, if we haven't been active in a very long time, and everybody knows, ain't nobody beginning nothing unless you're in a, a, a monogamous relationship, and even then, you're probably just with each other, so you're okay. But you could both get it and then not have to worry about it. You know, the vaccine. I mean, mm. never have to worry about these yeah, kinds yeah, of issues. Yeah. You know, just in case somebody's no, anyway, we're going to go down that 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 awful path. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, let's not. <laughs> so yeah, that that's that. And it brings us to the end of Jeez. NSFW. <laughs> Here we go, Ed. That is the end Jeez. of uh, Gettle 54, season 2, episode 12. Yeah, and I'm having a health crisis <laughs> just, my Just a little bit, right? Like, like I, I <laughs> genuinely, like, no jokes. When I saw, because I discovered this, I think it was late yesterday. I started Googling, um, you know, is it covered by medical aid? And even if it isn't, how much does it cost? And is it available here? Because here in SA, the, the rhetoric is woman only, girls only. Yeah. So yeah. now that I know about this, and once again, um, please note, we speak about things, but you need to do your own research. So please don't accept yeah. what we say oh, in any of our episodes as medical advice, because it's not. Yeah. <laughs> just saying, just saying. Um, it's interesting. You know, we need to know more. I mean, I'm all for the vaccine, right? I... I specifically want like the, the Pfizer BioNTech one for COVID. Um, but I think the Johnson & Johnson is the big one in South Africa at the moment. Um, unfortunately, because I am under the age of 40, I think we're only eligible in October because the South mm. African rollout is dismal, to say the least. But at least yep. if you're 60 and over, you can start uh, registering now for your interest for possible vaccination at the end of May. That's for COVID. Now, of course, this HPV one, we can go at any time, I assume. So... I actually yeah, want to find yeah. out and I want to possibly go for it because I want to be protected against cancer. I mean, who doesn't, right? Gosh, yes. Jeez. Right? Of all the things, you know? Like, any, any, like I know we've previously spoken about the cancer vaccine coming along, you know, which is fantastic, but that's many years away still. But, you know, if you could even take something now that could prevent you from getting a cancer, why not? That sounds like a no-brainer yeah. to me. Jeez. You know? Yeah. Just okay. be safe. <laughs> As safe as possible. <laughs> but yeah. you, know, you say that, right? But the thing is, even if you had to use prophylactics, you could still transmit it through your mouth. So, yeah, I mean, that's you know, that, that's the thing. It is, Which it makes is a it, legit STI. That makes it even more dangerous, <laughs> yeah. you know? So, yeah. Well, on that note. <laughs> now, that bombshell. Thank you all for listening to another episode of Giddle. It's been wonderful mm -hmm. to have you all. If you have anything you'd like us to cover or to say, or any, anything really, please do reach out. We love hearing from you. And um, until the next time you listen to us, we hope you all have a fantastic Star Wars week. And with that said, may the fourth be with you. Over and out. <laughs> <laughs>